Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Monday Main Point. It is Monday, February 14th, 2022. It's Valentine's Day, uh, and it's also the day after the Super Bowl. So <laughs> it's like, it's a little bit of a, of, a, of a mix, but we're not here to talk about either of those things, actually, today. Uh, we are here to uh, do what we do on Monday Main Point, which is kind of go back over uh, the, the message we preached on Sunday um, uh, for here at Rosa Sharon Baptist Church. I'm Jonathan Hendrickson, by the way. I'm the associate pastor here at Rosa Sharon, and I'm joined with uh, a couple other guys on the pastoral staff, Jeremiah Custer, our youth pastor, and Blake Flincham, our children's pastor. Our senior pastor, Jeff McCarthy, is still out recovering, uh, but we're hoping to have him back with us uh, before too long. So, All right, so um, if you've been following along, um, with, uh, with our sermon series that we're currently in right now, um, I'm doing a, a whole sermon series called What's Different, and sort of the subtitle of that is Examining the Changes Brought About by Christ's Transforming Work, and we're looking at the changes that Christ's work makes in us and in our, in our Christian walk, um, and I think there's lots of places we could go to, fellas, to, to look at that, honestly. I mean, there's lots of other books, but... I found I found myself in First John, and um, and so we're walking through verse by verse um, of First John, um, and so that's taking a little bit of time, but I'm enjoying it. It's a little bit of a deep dive into a into a book, and so uh, on a Sunday morning. So I, I hope everybody else is kind of enjoying this along with me. I'm learning a lot as we go, and um, so we've looked at a, a, a couple of things already. Um, we've looked at uh, that that. Uh, the Christian uh, relationship, the relationship we have with Christ leads to a different kind of fellowship. It also involves obeying a different command. Um, not, not like the commands of the world, but the command of God is a different kind of command. Um, and it gives us, it helps us to have, we talked about this last on the last podcast, have a different identity. And then this week, I, 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 uh, I think John sort of sort of leans hard into this idea of, of, of family and as he talks about uh, uh, how uh, our relationship with God leads us to, to, to belonging to a different family. Mm. And, um, and it's a different kind of belonging. And so there's a lot of things I talked about yesterday in, in context with this. The three main points, though, and, uh, is that the family of God is a family that remains um, the word remain pops up in the passage I looked at uh, seven times, I think. Overall, six of those are in five verses, and, and some of them are, it's, it's used over and over again. And my, my wife jokingly said at the end, uh, yesterday afternoon at lunch, she was like, so I guess the word of the day is remains. <laughs> and I said, yeah, it is. And uh, I said, it's not my word, it's John. John is, uh, John likes that word. And um, so we can talk about that uh, if you guys want to a little bit. And then the second point is that the family of God resembles. Much like everything else in creation, um, children resemble their parents. And so we as children of God, even though we're not born of God, like as humanity is not, um, we're made in the image of God, right? But we're not. Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't consider all of humanity to be God's children. We are adopted into the family of God, and but not just adopted in name only. We really are. John says the children of God. So if we really are the children of God, what does that mean for us? What, how shouldn't we look more like our heavenly Father? 
And then the last part uh, that I looked at, the, the third point, was that the family of God resists. Um, I'll be honest, uh, that's, I probably could come up with a different word, but I was trying to do the, the pastor alliteration thing. So. You followed the pattern, yes. You followed it well. So, uh, uh, you know, we, we, do, we, we do that. Look, pulling back the curtain a little bit here. We do that so that people can remember things. Yeah. Um, if you alliterate, if you use all our words, it's a little bit easier for people later on to go, okay, what, what was it? Oh, yeah, I remember now. Um, but th- resist works here because we're trying to resist the temptation to be like the rest of the world. There, there's, there, there are things that, that um, John is taking pains to show that we as Christians and as, as members of God's family, we need to look different, act different than the children of the world. And sometimes there's a temptation there, I think, to fall into just doing what the world does. There's a temptation to be discouraged because it looks like the world's winning. Um, and there's a, there's a temptation to just say, well, the world is the same thing as we are. And John says, no, you need to resist all of those ideas. And so um, that's why I used also resist. I think resist works there. So anyway, lots of stuff to talk about here, fellas, because there's things that I didn't get into. There's some weeds we can, we can dig into, and uh, I'm, I'm willing to go wherever this conversation leads us. So um, let's just, let's, I, I'm going to break protocol here. Normally I would, I would say, okay, let's start with point one and just kind of work our way through. But I think there's a lot of stuff we can talk about here, and maybe you all have some things on your mind and we could just dig in. And um, so that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to throw it out to you guys and see what you want to talk about. Yeah, I'm down to start with uh, point one um, because I think it's a good continuation of last week's podcast where mm-hmm. we talked about how uh, we talked about a lot of things. But one one thing we talked about is how this book, First John, reminds us so much of the gospel. Right. And so that first point on remaining and abiding reminded me so much of the John 15 passage, which is probably one of his more famous. I mean, there's the high priestly prayer, which is probably the most famous. The prologue, which mm-hmm. pr- prologue is probably the most famous high priestly prayer. Which but, is John 17, right? The high priestly yeah. prayer is right. And then there's the spirit stuff of John 14, which is also where he does the I am the way, the truth, and the life. life. Right. Uh huh. But John 15 is the part where it's one of the I am statements, probably the most popular I am statement, but I am the vine, you are the branches, whoever remains in me, and I in you. And so, like I said, that I just that reminded me so much of the gospel. I mean this whole the whole book just remind continually reminds me of the gospel. And I think you did a really good job of talking about so uh the ESV, which is uh the translation I use, uses the word abide, but you use that as a synonym for remain um, it means the same thing, but but remaining in Him, mm-hmm. uh, starting there, uh, I just thought that was good. Yeah, yeah. And I, yeah, and I like a I liked your illustration where you were like you know you take a vine and like a like a grapevine or something. Mm-hmm. The branches never say I'm going to go away from the vine. Like yeah. they never break apart themselves because there's remain in there. It's like it's like because it's natural to right. just because. They don't, you know, it, the way it works, they just don't naturally break apart. They, it's like their source, that vine is. Yeah. And really, that's how we should look at it as Christians, you know. It's like, it's not optional to go apart from the vine for us. Right. Because if we do, it ain't going to be successful. Right. And so I really, you know, when I was listening to it this morning, I really appreciated your 
illustration there because it kind of, you know, it's like that doesn't seem natural, but it should be natural. Yeah. For us. Yeah, I think I think one of the things I was mentioning is that because um, one of the, I mean, he uses a different he uses a different tense on every one of those remains. I think I think in almost every one of them, yeah. several of them anyway. And the one that that I was talking about that in uh, Blake is is where it says the anointing you receive from him remains in you. All the other remains are directed at the believer, but that particular one in verse twenty seven. Is, is saying the anointing you received, in other words, the Holy Spirit you received, he remains in you, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't need anyone to teach you. So he's saying, look, and, and the, I think the tense that he uses there when he says that, actually, um, if I remember right, is uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's presently, it, it's present, it's active, and it's true, right? Um, it indicates the remaining is done by the subject, in this case, is annoying, and that it's presently true. In other words, the vine uh, remains in us. And, and, and so the vine is not going to separate itself from the branches, right? Like it, it, the branches come out from the vine. And so the, the vine doesn't go, I don't need you branches, you know, and throw them off. Rather, the vine abides in us. We're in him than he's in us. And, and you know, I think that's why I said, uh, I use John 14, Jeremiah, in that. Um, the, yeah. Because uh, in that day you'll know that I am in the Father, you are in me, and I am in you. I've always loved that. I, I guess yeah. one of the reasons why I love that is because, and we're going to talk about this today because we need to talk about this, but um, I think all of us, from conversations we've had just prior to this, we've all, we've all struggled at, at times with this idea of security mm-hmm. and knowing, okay, how do I know that I've not messed things up? How do I know that I'm really still in God? And I think John's talking to his church, his, the, the community of believers about this very subject. And it's funny because we look at some of the words he uses and go, well, because of the words you're using there, I don't even know if I'm secure or not, you know? Yeah. But, but I like that verse uh, from John's gospel because if, if Jesus says, I am, in the, I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. We're in this Jesus sandwich, right? Like, and so, so like, the, once you are in, I believe, once you are in His hand, there is no removing you from that security. And so, the believer should know that. The believer should know that that when we are in Jesus, when we're in the vine, right? We are also in the Father, and the Father is in us because the Father is in Him. And so, there's this whole notion of I. I have Jesus inside of me, and 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 He, uh, like you are in me, I am in you. We are all in the Father together. And there's this this idea. I think of I think those those Russian nesting dolls, you know, those things. And so it's impossible to pull out the little guy from from all those other from the surrounding ones. If you had three nesting dolls and you had you know. Um, you can't pull one out of the of the other without opening all of them and removing them. And so, so I think Jesus is saying something along those lines. He's he's, he's using a nesting analogy here to remind his disciples and includes us that that we are secure in Him. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think and it's it's one of those things that uh, when it comes to security, it's good to always be reminded of because you are secure. Because if you are secure. I think one of the tactics that you know Satan's going to try to use is try to make you uh, insecure. Yeah. Because uh, you know he's going to go against the facts, and the fact is you're secure. If you're a believer, you're secure, and you're sealed, as it says in Ephesians one. Right. But 
uh, Satan, you know, he can't take away your salvation, but he can make you doubt it. Yeah. He can make you doubt it. Yeah. And so we have to we have to know how the enemy works and know that the goodness of our relationship yeah, no, that we I, have I, with I, Jesus. I'm, no, I'm I'm with you there. You know, um uh I just lost my train of thought. Sometimes that happens. <laughs> no, I, I was thinking I was thinking along the lines of, of this notion of, of remaining or I know what I was gonna say. One of the things I brought up is because I I wanted to try to connect this to what it means to belong to a different family. Um, and I, I chose to include this language about remaining in this in, in the later language that John's going to use in, in chapter 3 on being God's children. Although he starts that God's children line actually at the end of chapter 2. Yep. So um, I actually think the two things tie together. But one of the things that I thought about when I was, when I was and I mentioned this in the message, is that, man, in a world where so much of uh, people's experience with family is characterized by brokenness mm. and disunity and division and unfaithfulness. Isn't it cool that God uses like faithful language to characterize like it, a word that literally means to be faithful, to remain, to abide, to stay, yeah. right? Um, I think about all those kids who, who've, had mo- who've had parents who've just you know, gone away, and yeah. and and uh, um, and sometimes we we do we project God we project our our parental relationship on God, um, and and God says I'm not like that I'm not I'm not going to go away I'm not going to abandon you you're not on your own here. I actually I'll tell you something I'll tell you two guys something and, and our listeners I almost I wanted to use a um, a really famous clip. Um, but when I watched it, I forgot it had some language in it, so I couldn't use it. Um, you, uh, I was a big fan of, um, of the Fresh Prince of Bel Air uh, back in the day when it came out. You know, when I was when I was in maybe middle school or something. And uh, there's a great scene where uh, Will's dad, uh, his actual dad, comes and, and visits with him. And he thinks he's going to have this great relationship with him. And he actually goes and buys him a present and everything. And then uh, in this really famous scene, um, one of the best ever, I think, in television as far as acting goes, um, his, dad, his dad comes up and says, hey, something's come up. We're not going to be able to take that trip after all. And I'm so sorry. We'll have to, we can reschedule this. And he's like, you know, that's okay, Lou. You know, he calls him Lou. He didn't call him dad. Mm-hmm. And then he just, his dad leaves and, and, his uncle Phil is there, who who has sort of taken him under his wing all this time, and has become a surrogate father to Will, and 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 Will just goes off, and he talks about how I don't need him, I don't need anything he's offering me, I never needed him. The only thing I regret is I bought him, I bought his stupid present, and I I don't need him. I'm gonna be a better dad than he ever was. I'm gonna be more successful than he was. I don't need him to teach me anything about being a dad. I can be a better dad than he ever could be. And then he stops. And he go and he just breaks down. And he says, "Why don't he want? Why doesn't he want me?" And he mm-hmm. and he starts breaking down and cries. And, and Phil holds him and hugs him. And it's such a powerful moment. But I think that's how some people feel about God, right? That like I don't need him, or you know, and they have this because they've had their their family experience has been like Will's, right? Um, they have family that's broken, and why don't they want me? 
why don't they why don't they want me and 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 what they need to know is that God does want you God does God doesn't God doesn't leave you and abandon you God is the one who's there for you does that make sense oh yeah, yeah. and I got yeah. a um I got a couple friends over at uh school I go to and they've uh they've been through like the foster and adoption uh system and uh a couple of them have actually gone through a international adoption they were originally born in another country but uh God brought them to a family here in America mm-hmm. and um, just because of how it worked out and I've talked with them some about their story and they, they struggle with that stuff like abandonment and it's hard to I was actually talking with a girl the other day and she was uh, just because of family stuff and she's like it's just hard to feel the goodness of God sometimes mm-hmm. um, because of and out of respect for her I'm not going to go into a lot of details but just a lot of the baggage that was there. Yeah. I'm going to just be the first to tell you it's not godly what went down. Right. It's not godly. And right. for her to, you know, the idea of family and um, fathers and all this is just like, uh, sh- there's some hesitancy there. Yeah. And I think as Christians, we should be sympathetic and empathetic to that and realize that, you know, in a culture where what, the divorce rate's 50, 60% now. I'm not sure what yeah, it is, brokenness but it's certainly family. High, I mean, yeah. yeah. Um, the idea of family isn't as what it might used to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think we have to go in, you know, to our mission field that we have around us and realize that there's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of brokenness and mm-hmm. realize that that makes it even more important for us as believers to show that the family of God is different. Mm-hmm. Are we perfect? No, but we should work our differences out in different ways than what people may have experienced. Right. And that and that will go a long way in your evangelism and really in your witness and yeah. as your as you're an ambassador for Christ. Yep. Yeah, this whole the family thing, um, I struggle with how to how to do it in our culture. Because mm. I didn't have I had a great family, great father, so I don't I don't have the same feelings that I know others do. So this is just simple. When I read the Bible, it's just like, right. oh, I had a great example. Yeah, same here. Right. Yeah, and so I think that should be an encouragement to fathers and mothers to to as Christians to to try to Im- imitate that. Try to be that so that there's no there's no problem. But I know it can be tough for some. But I'm not talking from experience. I just think that when you hear about this other father, you it should trigger something in you to 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 say like that's how it was supposed to be. That's how it was supposed to be. Yeah. yeah. And that's the one I want. Yeah. Almost like the bad example you had should point you even closer. It shouldn't put you away from God, but it should point you closer to God because you know this isn't right. Right. What I had, that's not right. Uh, so you have a general idea of what is right because you saw what was wrong. Yeah, yeah. And I think God, I, I think God instituted the family and the family is still so important to humanity. Yes. Uh, he gave us that. It's a good gift, mm-hmm. a very good gift. Uh, but it's also something that needs to be redeemed as well, and yeah. will be yeah. redeemed, and yeah. he has redeemed yeah. as far as adoption into his family. So, yeah, no, I'm with you. Um, I think that, but I think about like somebody who, you know, I used the example yesterday. Somebody, you know, when you're a kid, 
Um, and you know, your kids have done this before, I'm sure too. My kids did this. You're a kid, you, you make these little cards for your parents, you do these little acts of love, you do these expressions of love. And if, if, if all you ever got when you did that was you got um, either ignored or, you, or worse, you got abused, um, then you can understand why someone might say, okay, so yeah, I hear you say God is good, but how do I know he's not going to mm. abandon me? How do I, how do I trust it's, I don't think it's as much of, of, of doubting that God is good as much as maybe doubting whether or not they can ever trust anybody who, who poses a father figure. Yeah. And I, and I, I can imagine that would be difficult. Um, it's hard for me to imagine that because like you, I have, I have a great relationship with my family. Yeah. I have a great relationship with my parents. I have a very supportive um, you know, relationship with my mom and dad. Um, I think from talking, all three of us have had that experience. And so, right. um, uh, you know, it's, it's hard for us to see that sometimes. I think, that's a, I think that is a reality for some people. Um, I think it is difficult for some. Um, and, uh, but I, I like what you say. If, 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 we can, if we can help people see that God is so much better than these earthly examples that we have, that it should help to turn them that way. And I think one of the ways we do that is, and it gets into maybe our second point a little bit, is that when we as Christians realize the need to resemble the one who has rescued us. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. I, I, I think, oh, yeah. We, we definitely leaped into point two. Yeah. <laughs> which is fine. <laughs> yeah. Great. But, but I think that's what we need. I, yeah. I think it's... The, um, maybe out of all three of the things that I brought up, this might be... The thing that, that has the most um, the, the most action points with it, right? The yeah, things that yeah. we need to actually do, um, and and not to not to lean into legalism there, but we do. There there is this sort of need for us to look different than the rest of the world, and and yeah. that gets a little bit into point three as well. But we'll, we'll let's let's just stick right here and talk a little bit about what it means. To resemble, I like the word. I like the word resemble here. So you might can hate on your word uh, resist later, but resemble was <laughs> just it's spot on because because it 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 details for us what it means to live as a Christian because mm. uh, there's a lot of talk for Christians and for Christianity and for you know culture at large, American culture at large that. We're supposed to be good to please God. Mm-hmm. But when you use the word resemble, it's clear that it's not we be good to please God. We be good or we are good because of God. Because mm-hmm. we resemble the God who lives in us. Mm-hmm. And I, I know we probably put, we say this on repeat just so much. But for me, it's so important to get this right. That as Christians, you are good and do good things and you're loving and all those things because of the God that lives within you. Mm. Because of the relationship you have with God. You resemble Him. You can't do it without Him. In fact, going back to the John 15 passage, he says, it is impossible to please God without remaining in Him. Mm. It is impossible. So there's, you must, and the, and the reverse is true, or the, the negative is true of that. We are so mean and harsh to a world who lives in sin, 
and we we hold a standard to them that they cannot it's impossible for them to live as a christian and when you think that you can just lord that over their lives and hold that over their lives even though they live apart from a relationship with christ Mm. you teach a wrong message Mm -hmm. yeah you're teaching the wrong message i agree they can't please god they can't love correctly yeah I mean, Valentine's Day, I mean, it should be such a good thing, right? Mm-hmm. But because of so much brokenness, it's also a very negative thing. I would say it's 50-50. Yeah. Some people hate this day. Some, yeah. Yeah, right. Same with Father's Day. I yeah. mean, it's going to be the same thing. Some, some that should be celebrated, some that should be great. And people, because of brokenness. Right. It's it's broken. It needs to be redeemed. Yeah. But I think part part of Christian culture needs to understand that those who live outside of Christ, they cannot they cannot live a moral live this moral code. Right. Because it's not written on their hearts. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't dwell within them. Well, but, and I think uh, I think one thing too, you know, if you're wondering like, well, why do we harp on this so much? I think it's probably safe to say that all of us probably grew up in contexts where legalism abounded, sadly, or where, and not saying that our own personal, you know, we were taught that personally, but just everywhere that was around us, there was a lot of like a cultural legalism. Right. And when we talk about legalism, explain what you mean by that. So legalism is like, uh, like think of it like a mindset is I obey, therefore I'm accepted by God. Mm-hmm. Whereas the gospel is I'm accepted, therefore I obey. I got that from Tim Keller. Uh, mm-hmm. He's got a great um, if you uh, if you uh, look on his uh, some of his stuff. He's got a great uh, religion versus gospel uh, compare and contrast. Mm-hmm. Um, so legalism is basically like I have to follow rules. I have to have a standard, uh, I have to follow rules so that God will accept me. And that's simply not the gospel. Right. It's simply not the gospel. Jesus came because you couldn't follow the rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you try to reach for God, you can't. So God reached down for us and became like us, became a man, and uh, died for us So uh, and rose again. So that's what I mean by legalism. It's like this following rules. like a. Um, it's like... A Jesus plus gospel almost mm-hmm. like yeah you can have Jesus but you need to wear a suit and tie every Sunday when you go to church like yeah you can uh, follow Jesus but to be a Christian you have to not have tattoos or something like that so does that yeah yeah and so um, and simply it's it's just not the gospel but it's so uh, it's so uh, almost like rooted in cultural Christianity and I feel like especially here in the South. Yeah. It's well, well I you know I was I was telling you guys that, that um, when I first uh, became a pastor um, uh, I was in a Sunday school class with a group of, of uh, people about my same age and they had been in church all their lives and stuff and they they said um, you know can we talk about something I'm like sure what, what do you want to talk about and we were in Sunday school together and they're like Sometimes I wonder if I'm if I really am a Christian because you know I, I I use bad language and stuff. I went, um, okay, well that, what why do you think that that negates your salvation? You know, and so the, it because but it was this idea that they had just sort of gleaned from I guess different church services they had gone to different different hanging out with different 
because not all Christians are 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 mature, right? And and so you get from maybe your grandmother, or your grandfather, or your mother, or your father, um, other people who are influencers. You you start if you don't know yourself, you start sort of developing these ideas, and you can see why somebody might say, "Well, if I'm not." If my life isn't a hundred percent sinless, then I must not be a Christian, and that's just not. I mean, that's not the case. Mm. Uh, you know that that's that's legalism, right? And and um, now that's not to say that you you should look like the world. Again, we're getting back to this resemble language here. It's not to say you should look like the world. No, you should look like your father. You should look like the one who, if you're a Christian, you should look like Jesus, right? Um, you uh, you should. Think like he, you know, th- use words and actions and make choices that would reflect the things that that God loves and the things that are, we find in Scripture. But you're going to make mistakes. Guarantee you're going to make mistakes. And when you make those mistakes, it doesn't mean that somehow you've lost your salvation or that you were never saved to begin with. Well, I think a lot of times, you know, I, I'm thankful that I've never really had this case but a lot of times you know I feel like a lot of preachers you know if you come and confess them since they are struggling well they would be like well are you saved and they would just always ask this question well are you say you say you're living in sin are you saved you know mm. and I think a lot of time I mean one reason there might have been that doubt might be on might be on the preacher you know oh like, there's no doubt there's and, no doubt about that I and, think I think that's exactly why. and a like I feel like you know me thinking out right. Like if somebody's coming, you confess. That means that they probably admit that they're struggling, which mm-hmm. shows, which is actually fruit that you are a Christian. Yeah. You know, if there's no conviction, then you know you got to talk about the conviction. But I don't think the first proper response is, "Well, are you even saved?" No. You know, and so I think that kind of mentality I think starts a lot of it. And I, and I've, I've I've ran into people before too who maybe make a mistake and think, okay. Then God's gonna God's gonna bring rain down punishment on me here because I've made this mistake, and that's you know look consequences happen for mistakes for sure, and sometimes there is retribution, but this notion that God is looking to rain down wrath on you, especially after you've come to the come to the realization, oh I've made this mistake and I've asked for forgiveness. When you ask for forgiveness, God doesn't return your ask for forgiveness with wrath. That 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 doesn't happen. But that's another. That's a. I think that's another misconception, Jeremiah, that happens in our in in, in, in common, commonly in Christian culture. Yeah, I, I don't know how to describe it. I'm trying, but I think that this is such a prominent thing. Like mm-hmm. I, at grassroots, this is everywhere, mm-hmm. tainted, mm-hmm. and it's just it's for me. It's just a false gospel. It's a it's an alternate way. That people think they can go to heaven. Yeah, yeah. If I'm good, and it's it's not new. I, I talk like it's new, like it's some just American thing. But uh, Jesus, I mean, you read it. the Old Testament; yeah. they they did the same thing. Yeah. You look at the Pharisees; that's the major opponents to Jesus. Yeah. They had the same mentality that you could earn by being a good person; you could earn God's favor. Yeah. And that if you were bad, you earned judgment. You earned the wrath. You earned, uh, rather than starting with, no, you're bad, but Christ loved you anyways. Yes. Yeah. Which is the real gospel. Yes. And and I just think we, we're, man, we just, we're so, 
bogged down by the rules. Mm-hmm. And I think, dude, I'm a, I'm a strong proponent of the rules because I believe the rules are given to us out of love. Because God loves us. He doesn't want sin to ruin our lives. He doesn't want sin to bring destruction. So I think the rules are good. They're a great thing. But if you follow the rules and not the rule maker, there's a big, big problem. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. And I want to go back to something you were saying about like a, like people like expect wrath from God or mm-hmm. something. Um, and I was reading for, I'm an Old Testament class, and I, I can't remember if it was in Isaiah, Jeremiah, or Ezekiel. We read those back to back mm-hmm. to back. And, Those are pretty long books, oh, so yeah. it's understandable. Oh yeah. So, but <laughs> basically, basically, one of these prophets is, and I'm sorry, I don't have the direct reference, but one of these prophets are prophesying to the Lord's people, you know, Judah or Israel, and mm-hmm. even God's, you know, He's promising that they're going to be exiled because of their sin. But He's like, look, He's speaking through the prophets. He's like, look, I don't want to do this. I don't desire this. Mm-hmm. You know, I what I desire is for you to repent. Yeah. And our relationship be made right. That's what I desire. I desire to love you. I desire to have a relationship with you. I don't want to send you to exile. Mm-hmm. But you're a stubborn, stiff-necked people, and that's what right. it's going to end up doing. But right. he's like, I don't want to do this. Right. You know, I mean, I don't know of any good father who wants to uh, do that, you know. Mm-hmm. But to but out of love, you know, you also have to, uh, dis- like you said, actions do bring about consequences. Right. But... I think those consequences are there to show us, like, hey, look, you know, you know, even in John, he said he's Jesus has come so you can have life and life more abundantly. Mm-hmm. Following rules, if you ain't figured it out yet, it isn't life abundant. You know, it doesn't bring about this abundancy. But following Jesus, you know, you have this so much more abundance in your life. You know, you got more joy and right. you don't feel like you have to constantly like check off boxes. Yeah. Because, like, if you have Christ's righteousness imputed onto you, that's the biggest box that you can check. And God did it. Right. You and did, and, you know. And, and that, that was the point that I was trying to make yesterday was that John John starts this section with, if you know that he is righteous, you know this as well. Everyone who does what is right has been born of him. Right. Well, then we look at humanity and we go, well, that's none of us. Right? Yeah. Well, in fact, the Bible says no one's righteous, not even one. Okay, well then, who's been born of him then? Well, the, John says, but look at how great a love the Father has given us that we should be called the children of God. And we are. Not just called his children, we are his children. Yeah. Um, and, and we're his children because of our relationship with the one who is righteous, Jesus Christ. And I just think that that's such awesome language um, and in a great way of putting it. And it's one of the reasons why I, I deviated and went into Ephesians 1 a little bit because it's there that you find the, the language that God decides in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Man, that's awesome, right? Yeah. Um, and, and so um, I just... I, 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 we are positionally speaking, we talk about this sometimes, positionally speaking, we are his children. Uh, we are the children of God. Yeah. Um, we're not yet, I mean, but John makes clear, we, we, um, we are his children. And then, he, and then he goes on and says, um, 
I'm looking for the verse here. Uh, I don't have it in front of me. But when he talks about... Um, when he appears, verse 2. Yeah, yeah, verse yeah. Two. yeah uh-huh. When he appears... Um, it's verse 2, th- yeah. chapter 3, 2. Yeah, 3, 2. Yeah, Everyone, yeah there it is. Um, yeah, we know that when he appears, we will be like him because we'll see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Um, and so, yeah, there's this idea that we're... We're not yet there, right? We're, we're, uh, we're, we're, there it is. I just found, found in my notes too. Positionally, we're, we're God's children now. We are his children. Yeah. And yet there's a part that hasn't been fully redeemed yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and so we're not fully, and because of that, we do have sin and, and we do have this notion of sin. We, we still live in broken, broken, uh, uh, a broken world, and and we're surrounded by broken humanity, and we live in bodies that 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 lead us to uh, lead us to, to sin sometimes, that give us desires we shouldn't have, and those kinds of things. And um, we, so we we live in the tension between where we are now and where we're going to be. We live in that tension between those two spots, I think. Um, and that sort of leads us into that third point. Uh, the third point is so good, but. Uh, when you read that text, mm. man, well, right? it's so direct. It's, it's yeah. And if you read if you read it wrong at all, you you dive right back into legalism. I I pity the person who who pulls up John First John three, <laughs> starts reading from there. Uh, it's gonna lead to depression and definitely not assurance of salvation. Now we're gonna get into that in in a second. Um, well, I guess we can get into it now. No, no, no. That this is this is really important. We were, yeah. You know, um, the the language there, and this again. I've said this to you guys, and I'll say it again. This is why I made such a big deal out of First John two. First John two one is is where John says, "My little children, I'm writing you these things so that you may not sin, but." If anyone does sin, and he's who is he saying those words to? Who is he writing those words to? He's writing them to the church, yep. right? Mm-hmm. So understand, he's not writing to lost people. He's writing to people who are presumably saved. He says, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the whole, so the whole world. John's saying, I'm, I'm writing this so that you don't sin. So you don't fall into those in, in, into the trap of sin. And I don't want you to live a life that's characterized by sin. But if you do sin, little children, if you do sin, Christian, I mean, put it that way. Yeah. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, who's, who the scope of what he has done is not just for us, but for, for the whole world. And so... I think it's very clear that John is not advocating at any point in this book. He's not advocating for a sinless life. I think it's really important we get that because of exactly what you're talking about, Jeremiah, which is is when you get to John 3 and you look at verse... Especially 6 and through, six, 6 through 8. 6 through... Well, 6 through 9. I, like... I'll read the translation I have, which I think is um, it's softer than the NKJV translation um, in some ways, but it still comes across really harsh. 
Here we go. Everyone who remains in him does not sin. Okay? Everyone who sins has not seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. The one who does what is right is righteous just as he is righteous. The one who commits sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God was revealed for this purpose, to destroy the devil's works. Everyone who has been born of God does not sin. I think the NKJV says cannot sin because his seed remains in him. He is not able to sin because he has been born of God. This is how God's children and the devil's children are made evident. Now, if I was just reading that just by itself, I just, I just, I just open up a Bible. I do the whole thing like, God, show me what you want to see with me today, and I'm going to put my finger in the Bible, and I'm going to open this up and I'm read it. I'm going to read that, and I'm going to walk away confused. I'm going to walk away defeated. I'm going to walk away discouraged, right? Because I sin. Yeah. Does that mean I'm a child of the devil then? That, you know, that's that's exactly what I would do. Yeah. That's exactly what I would walk away with. And you could, to to be sympathetic to other traditions, right? You could see why, mm-hmm. especially when the KJV and the New King James after that were so popular as translations. Yep. You could see why people think you can lose your salvation. Sure. Because they're trying to wrap their heads around. Wait, I'm a confessing believer. Who at least at some point, I I received conviction of sins and the Spirit came and dwelled with me. I I produced fruit. I uh, was broken over my sin. When like for to use your example earlier, when I cuss, I I confess it. Right. It's not that I cuss and just go on about my life. If I cuss with conviction, mm-hmm. that seems to be evidence that the Spirit is there. But then you read this text. And it says, if you abide in God, you do not sin. Yeah. Or you cannot yeah. sin. Yeah. The, the, uh, to be fair to the NKJV, because I, I, I'm going to read exactly the way it words verse 9. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. I mean, yeah, that's just... We're going to talk about what we, how we think you should translate that and how you should interpret that in a second but man just that's just harsh language that that i think has just that type of language has infiltrated christianity and yeah and it's just not correct no i i I, I don't think it is i i think it's i think it's important to get it really i think we all at one point we read oh i definitely did i've read that before and thought Dude, I don't qualify. Yep, I, I definitely did. And then you confess, and you can just get in a pattern of I've got to confess, you got to make sure I'm not sinning. Yep. And then you get in your car and you speed again, or you're right, you, yeah, road you, rage right. Or you're something. watching the yeah. Super Bowl or whatever, and the cheerleaders accidentally pop up, right. and you're like, right. it's just a constant, right? Like sin is everywhere. Yep, like a burden. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. I'm. I'm. I'm with you. And I, I've done the same thing. And and for somebody like me, who, um, you know, I've I've shared with you guys before. When I, I I struggle with doubt, and and I doubt. I've and not just doubt when it comes to doubt doubting the the, you know, doubting God and doubting salvation. But yeah, doubting my own salvation. I struggled with this. And then I would read a passage like this and go. I might not be saved. Yeah, I don't qualify. I, I might not be saved because I, mean, I don't, I don't, I don't match up to this. 
and and, you, and so then so then it, you know if you do that in in private well, let, let's say that you you read that yourself and you do that in private you're not you're not examining scripture in a community of faith you're just examining it yourself then you're like well I'm not I, I'm not this I can never be this and so I'm not even gonna try and then I think of how many people have just given up on Christianity because they read this passage and read it wrong I mean why try you know yeah if, if, that, if awesome. you take that at face value I mean Eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow. You die. And I mean, you know, we can come back and go. Well, okay, it's their own fault for not reading it in its context. But, but I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to say led, that it's led so many people to live fake lives, and I think a lot of pastors have had to live fake lives. Yeah, meaning that they they put on this persona that they don't sin, mm-hmm. and this is this is not a reflection of my father <laughs> but there was a time when i believed he didn't sin right he never talked about it mm-hmm. he talked about others were sinners and he once once was a sinner right yeah but he never and i'm not saying fathers should have to confess their sins to their kids but right. as far as i could tell he never confessed active sin mhm and it's because he, he was he was a pastor, and I think he felt like he couldn't. Yeah. yeah. Because if he did, he's now, based on a certain interpretation, he's now not qualified. Right. Yeah, that's right. Especially, th- especially as a pastor, right, as, as, as a leader of the church. And he's held to even a higher standard than the regular Christian. You know, they're, they're, yeah. they're, they're not better, they're better not even be a shadow of sin in that guy's life. And I'll go even further and say that some of my friends, when I confess my sin to them, they're like, dude, you can't do that. You know, you can't be a sinner. You're a pastor. Yeah. Like you're like they like they have the mentality of if you're a Christian, you're sinless. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's because we don't I mean, you talked about it in your sermon and I loved it. We we're so private yeah. with our lives. Yep. No one knows it's that so harmful. And when the past it's almost weird when the pastor actually says I'm a sinner. Yeah. Or, or like one time I preached a sermon. I think I might have done it here too. And it, it went off better here than the first time. I preached a sermon one time where I, like Paul, said I was the chief of sinners. That, mm-hmm. I, that I'm the worst sinner I know. Right. And I remember there people came up to me and was like, dude, you can't, you can't say that. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, it's true. I, ha- right. I have to say it. Right. Like, because I am. I'm, I know myself better than anyone else. And right. I know... Like Paul, Paul, Paul said that he yeah. was the chief of sinners. Yep. And like, dude, if Paul's not in, dude, <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely not in. Yeah. You know yeah, what I'm, I'm saying? I'm not making it. If Paul's not there, I'm I'm certainly not there. I, I I've said to you guys, I don't know if I've said it on the podcast before. I've even said, I said this to my my daughters yesterday. I'm like, because uh, Hope was asking, um, you know, Adam and Eve supposedly, you know, they were made perfect and everything, and yet they messed things up. And she goes, How do we know that 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 when we get to heaven and we won't do, make the same mistake I'm like look I've already said it if it's possible to do it oh, yeah. Jonathan's ruining heaven yeah. for everybody yeah because I, I, because I'm I, if, if I'm if I'm in heaven as I am right now then I'm messing it all up I'm sorry guys I because I, I sin I make mistakes a lot of mistakes like a ton of mistakes one of the things that I remember um 
The, uh, by the way, the good news is is that I, I don't think that you can mess it up in heaven. I, I, there's yeah, reasons. Right. That's, a, that's a different conversation Just for a disclaimer. different time. <laughs> yeah, a different conversation for a different time, but I don't think you can mess it up. Right. Um, I think once we get there, it's, it's fixed mm-hmm. permanently. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember as a youth pastor, when I was a student pastor, um, it shocked me to hear my students say this, but my students would come to me and go, I really like coming here mostly because you don't pretend to be something that you're not. Everywhere else I go, the pastors, the youth pastors, the, the other youth pastors I've been been to, they th- there's this idea, this holier than thou kind of thing, or that that they're they're somehow more perfect than I, and and I can't live up to that. But you're just real, and my stu- that resonated with my students, and I, I and and it, I'm not saying that I was better or anything. I'm just saying that people need to see genuine, like genuine acts of, of of forgiveness and grace and repentance and, and confession. We need that. And we don't do that. We just don't do it. Um, you know, it's, um, and I, I'm full confession. I don't, I don't have a, like outside of, outside of the pastoral staff, I don't really have anybody that I'm fully account Like I have an accountability partner or anything, but it's something that um, I don't want to, I don't want to live my Christian life. In a vacuum, I know some people are like me and Jesus got our own thing going, and and I don't need I don't need the church. I, I got if I've got the Bible and I've got Jesus, that's enough. But man, that, that's that's a dangerous path you're walking because you never have the opportunity to practice forgiveness, practice grace, practice those kinds of things, and you're trying to do Christianity in a vacuum, and it wasn't designed to do that way. I mean, really, you're doing yourself a disservice. You're doing the church a disservice. Right. And it's, I mean, and I feel like the whole, I mean, the whole I've got me and Jesus, my thing going, I don't need church. I mean, it's so individualistic. Yeah. I mean, really, at the root of that is pride. You know, I mean, we, if you feel like you don't need to come to church as a Christian, I mean, you don't have to to be saved. Okay, I'm not saying that. Right. But to supplement your faith. It's such a it's such a great way to supplement your faith to be involved in a local church to serve so you can be in that community because community ideally pushes you to be more like Christ and that's yeah. like what you were saying that accountability is so important and yeah. I even um, you might disagree I don't know but I I consider like accountability partners like as a form of like church discipline. Um, no, I don't, I don't disagree. Yeah. Well, yeah, because uh, people don't, hate that word, but discipline is just a form of discipleship. And really, church discipline is looked it's at just as like discipleship. negative, but I think, I mean, I think it should really be looked at as almost like positive in a way that you can grow to be more like Christ. And I think we have this negative view that all church discipline is is somebody's done a heinous crime and you put them up before the church and you vote to kick them out. Kick them yeah. out. Right. And that's that's a very small portion of what church discipline is. Is yeah. that church discipline? Yes. But it's not everything. No, it's not. And, and this gets... And in. it's really... It's, oh, go ahead. I want to be clear. We're, yeah. Even, even church discipline done right is never kicking someone out. Right. It's helping someone realize they, by their own confession... They're not in the group, right? By their own confession, yeah. And then you just, you just say, 
you know, they they leave the fellowship on their own confession. Right. Meaning that they're unwilling to repent because they don't think what they're doing is wrong. They're not a believer. So the church doesn't kick them out. It's just that, like, for Baptists, one the major distinction for Baptists is that to be a member, uh, you must have baptism. And to have baptism, you must be a believer. Right. And so you are no longer a member if you're not a believer. Mm-hmm. And so it's there's no reason to be Baptist if you're not trying to, in some ways, protect regenerate what they call as regenerate church membership. I like that. I'm glad you church members that. who are a Christian. Right. Right. So and, and that's I just don't like the language of kicking people out because right. that's why no one wants to do church discipline. Right. And I'm well, not it's saying all, it's all, it's always been about restoring the belief. Yeah, it yeah, should. It should be should. about that's what it's and about restoration. Everything gets abused, and there's bad stories of people abusing it. I mean. Uh, I don't want to talk about, I guess we can talk about our church is past because all these people are gone. But me and Jonathan literally read in our uh, minutes of the church yeah. in like the 40s or whatever. Oh, yeah. They 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 did church discipline wrong. I won't give the entire example. Right, but, right. But on the spot, they like kicked someone out for cussing. It, it's not that simple, but yeah, they did that. Um, and I just don't think that was done correctly. No, it, it, but 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 you think about I mean the whole reason John is bringing this up is remember there's been a division in the church. Yeah. And the 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 false doctrine that's being taught needs to be called out. Yeah. For the purpose of what of of protecting the unity of of the believers. Yeah. And so that's what church discipline and that's what accountability is supposed to be about. Yeah. And like I said, I think a lot of people trot out that whole adage of judge not lest you be judged, and they use that incorrectly. It's not what Jesus is talking about there. When Jesus says that, he's not saying don't don't care about what your brother or sister is doing and, and you know what you're he's saying, you know, don't just be aware that whatever standard you're using to judge is going to be used to judge against you. He's talking about the difference between believers and non-believers more than he's talking about the difference between believer and believer. And 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 a lot of people get that wrong. Um, so anyway, I, we're 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 running short on time. I do want to go back. I want to I want to track back a little bit here yeah. because I do want to talk about. Okay, so if we're reading John three. And we're reading it in this sort of discouraged way. How do we prevent from reading it that way? How should we read it, Jeremiah? What do you see it as? If it's not saying that I'm supposed to live a sinless life, what is it saying? Yeah, so I'll just go ahead and read the same text in the ESV. Sure. And then we'll talk about how, before we end, I, I want to make sure and talk about how we can uh, prevent. Because I want you to trust your English translations. I really do. I want people to... To be able to read their their translation and and trust it because they're credible, but they're very credible. Very credible. But I also want you to 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 have tools to help kind of uh, navigate these these issues that may come up because uh, it's just a natural it's just a fact that this was translated from Greek to English and we don't speak Greek. In fact, it's a dead language. Yeah. And I don't think you should have to learn Greek. So. We'll give you some, I think I have a practical tip, actually all of us have a practical tip that you can do in your personal Bible study to where it kind of protects you. But let me just read the ESV, because I think the ESV just nails it. Mm -hmm. So I'll go to 4. So chapter 3, verse 4, this is 1 John 3, beginning of verse 4. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning 
also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. In Jesus there is no sin. Verse 6, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, and as he is righteous, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. But this is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. And so it's clear there that the ESV and the translators, which is done by a committee of people, um, they see that same verb um, as as a current practice of sinning, not just that they do not sin, which is I think is just strong, too strong of language. Because uh, and Jonathan can go into the Greek. Actually, I don't think we should go into the Greek here. No. But if anybody wants the Greek, if if you want us to prove to you uh, with verbs and tenses and all that stuff, we can. Just yeah. you have to trust us in that sense um but i think that the esv nails it every time not just on the practice of sinning but on the practice of righteousness yes on both both sides of it yeah and so what what happens uh, what we believe as christians and as baptists not free will baptists but baptists is that it's it's those that continually practice in sin so to use jonathan's example those believers who who were like, man, I just, I don't know if, I don't think I'm a Christian because I, I, I cuss sometimes. Mm-hmm. Dude, if you, if, if you practice cussing and there is no conviction, I think you should probably, I think that's good evidence that maybe you're not a Christian. Mm-hmm. For me, though, it's, it's those who, 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 the very people who are confessing that are those who are convicted by it and they, they're clearly, like you, you're gonna make mistakes. I mean, there's so many things that are sin that you don't even realize are sin. I mean, you're gonna react. Um, I think of like anger, just just getting mad, like even at your kids. Um, it's gonna happen. But it's if if you don't feel conviction of that, that's that's where you're probably not a Christian, and you should you should really reflect on that. Um, but if it's a practice. It's not every sin is going to disqualify you. But if you if you pra- if you continually practice, if you walk in sin, if you look like the devil, if you if you are always um, in rebellion towards God, you read God's laws and right now nah, that's not it. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones who who should should kind of re- inner reflect and, and maybe think I'm not in. But if you if you remain con- convicted by sin. And uh, it's not really like it doesn't really detail your whole life. Like when I look at that person, oh, yeah, he's he's at a filthy mouth or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one thing to have a filthy mouth and just not have any conviction. But it's another thing to, to slip up or to use language sometimes, harsh language because you want to make a point or whatever. 
uh, but then be convicted of that later, or yeah. even convicted of it in the moment. In the moment, yeah. And I think there's a difference. And I think what John's getting at here is like intentional sin, like with the intentionality, no mm-hmm. remorse. Like I'm intentionally doing this, and nothing's coming in my way, kind of mm-hmm. thing. Because I think there's a difference in intentional, habitual sin, mm-hmm. and struggling with a certain sin. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. I, so I think, um, and you can take. I mean, I'm not gonna pick out any sins, but if you take whatever sin you're struggling with right now, listener. You know, if you're struggling, you feel bad about that. I think that's a mark of that you are a Christian, um, because there's a difference in a struggle and intentionality. We all struggle with sin. Yeah. But what he's getting at here is the practice, the intentionality, um, the motive is I'm a, I'm going to do it. You know, I think it kind of looks at motive, and you know, I mean. If you struggle with it, we bump into sin because we're sinners. I heard a professor said that one time. We sometimes bump into sin because we're sinners. There's mm-hmm. just really no way around it. Yeah. But that doesn't mean we have to intentionally, always, purposefully bump into a certain sin just because we want to. Yeah. So, and I think that's where he's getting at. Yeah. And I think, and if you are in that, I just want to uh, gently urge you, you know, consider your ways and. Uh, surrender that over to Christ and pray that the Spirit will help convict you and restore you back into that good relationship with the Father. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, 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 this is why I was so careful yesterday because um, uh, in, in, in talking about these verses, because the translation I used didn't necessarily, didn't translate it quite the way that the ESV does, uh, but I wanted to make sure that people understood that, that the, the tense that's being used there is this notion of that um, one doesn't go on practicing sin and doesn't you're not able to go on sinning or keep on sinning and there there is good reason to believe that that's that's the proper way of translating that um, I think I think a good lesson here is that like you said there's tools available right when you run into here's two things two practical things you can do when you run into verses like this that maybe discourage you or have you defeated or have you doubting yourself um, doubting what you believe to be true about God and his word uh, first is is there's no harm in looking at other translations. Um, uh, so if if there's something that's troubling you, look at another translation. I do that frequently. I do you know I I, I choose to use uh, HCSB Holman Christian Standard or the Christian Standard, um, but um, I'm I, I'll I'll pull out the NLT New Living Translation. I'll pull out mm-hmm. the English Standard Version. I'll I'll go to the NKJV. I'll look at all those other translations. Um, because they give us a, a slightly different, uh, a slightly different translation, which sometimes might clear up the, the, the thing. The second thing you can do is you can always read, read that verse in its full context. A lot of times, if there's something that's troubling you, um, even if you just read it in its local context, there, read it within the book that it's written, especially these letters that, that are written in the New Testament, you'll often find that the that the contradiction sort of clears itself up. In this case, if you look at First John two one. Like I read at the beginning of this, um, you can see that that's clearly not what John's talking about. So, what is he talking about? The third thing, and and this is probably maybe, is I would give it, I would at least give it equal importance. Is don't read in a vacuum. Yeah. Don't study in a vacuum. Go talk to somebody else about it. We're, you know, there, we as pastors, we do this. Um, sometimes I'll I'll be reading something on my own, and I'll come and I'll knock on Jeremiah's door and go, dude, I just read something here, and I 
I don't think I'm getting this right. Yeah. Like what? What in the world is this guy talking about here? What is what is what is God really trying God to show here? Like what? I don't I, I don't want to misinterpret this, and and we'll wrestle with it together. You know, two is better than one. Three is better than 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 two. And so it's it's good to come together. And there's nothing wrong with admitting that I don't. I'm, I'm struggling with this. Yeah. I'm having difficulty with this, and uh, um, I think God wants us to do that. So th- those are the things I would encourage you to do. Um, and we, as your pastors, we you know understand we do the same thing you do. We we run across these these passages. They, they trouble us sometimes too, and and th- that's what we do to 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 do it. And we're here for you as well. We we love to talk to you about verses maybe that you're struggling with or ideas that you've heard proclaimed that you don't know whether they're true or not. I mean. I'm not saying we'll give you the correct answer always. Sometimes we'll have to, but we'll struggle with you with it. You know, yeah, we'll we'll right. we'll wrestle with that passage with you. Um, and so, um, yeah, just kind of wanted to close on that. And yeah, I think, ahead. and I think something too. I think another tool is. Um, uh, I, I know a lot of Bibles sometimes have commentary. Mm-hmm. I think that can help out too. Um, I think you need to be careful which. Yeah, I was going to say there's, there's nothing yeah. wrong with using commentary. Um, uh, just be aware that right. commentary is one other person's interpretation. It's like, it is. It's like the, you know, it's like me knocking on Jeremiah's door, right? Yeah. I can knock on Jeremiah's door. I'm doing that because I want to get another opinion. But um, you know, it doesn't mean that his opinion is authoritative. And same thing with commentary; it's okay to get another opinion on it. Just don't take that commentary as the authoritative interpretation of, of whatever. Right, and I think yeah, I think it can be helpful, and you oh, can yeah. even look through some of the commentary and be like, I'm not actually sure that I agree with what they said, which right. I think can be helpful because that means you're thinking about it. Um, I know one that I tend to use is uh, the big. Uh, Orange and white ESV study Bible commentary. Mm-hmm. I've that's seen that that's been pretty credible. Uh, a commentary that we use as pastors a lot, but I think is actually very, very simple, is the Christ-centered exposition mm-hmm. commentary. Um, it's not super, super formal. It's not super, super academic. Uh, I found that to be helpful. Yeah. Because um, that it, it, that one's actually almost set up almost like a devotional sort of thing, not like a daily devotion you might read like in your bathroom or yeah, anything yeah. like that. I mean, but it it and, can it asks you some questions at the end that you can think through, and those are really really cheap too. So I think you know I think there's some great sources for you if you're struggling with something. Yeah, Just, and and if you you know you don't have to know um, you don't even have to know Greek in order to look at the Greek. Um, you can go to somewhere like um, I use Bible Hub or Blue Letter um, Bible, or Blue Letter Bible like and you can type in the passage that you're looking at and then click on the Greek and it won't give you just the Greek. It'll give you the Greek and it'll tell you what that word is. The tense that's being used there, it'll break it down word by word so that you can get a better understanding. All these are tools that are at your disposal. And and we as your pastors would just encourage you to use those kinds of things because um, you're gonna run across passages that are gonna that you're gonna struggle with and, and you're gonna wrestle with. And, yeah, uh, just one last tool because we're Baptists, but we believe that all Christians are uh, pre we were the priesthood of all believers. That if you're a right. true believer you are your own priest, meaning that you can, you have direct access to God through Jesus, but also you you have the Spirit, and the Bible tells us that the Spirit actually helps you in interpretation. So when you're reading First John and you get the red flag, because you will, I promise you, when you read that, you're like, oh, if you read that. If you do not sin, you're not of God. Mm-hmm. You will have a red flag pop up. It will. Mm-hmm. I promise you it will. 
And so just don't, my, my, my encouragement is don't ignore that. That's what should lead you to look at another translation. That's, That's what point. should lead you to go right. to the other things to, to find uh, the correct uh, answer. And so yeah. just just lean on the Spirit. And, and that takes time. I think the Spirit works over time. I don't think you get it all at conversion. Hmm. But over time, uh, you'll you'll be able to do, do, do it more effectively over time. And I think, you know, we definitely don't want to diminish the power of prayer. Oh, and, sure. And, you know asking that the Holy Spirit would uh, illuminate yeah, our yeah. minds, give us the wisdom, give us the discernment. Um, and I think it's good that, you know, if you come across something, there's a red flag. I think the Spirit's at work yeah. because you're yeah. trying to discern. You know that something doesn't feel right, something doesn't look right. But And when that does happen, the whole purpose is to uh, push you to get deeper and for you to become more like Christ. Yep. Good discussion today, fellas. I've enjoyed this. Um, mm-hmm. We've gone a little over than our normal time, but we hope you've enjoyed this, and um, we, we will be back again next Monday, um, depending whether breaks were forced and all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, we should be back here again Monday. Uh, this coming Sunday, we're going to turn the page. The first part of the mess of John's message is really about how God is light, and then in Him there's no darkness. And so a lot of the language that's been used here has been talking about the difference between good and evil, righteous and unrighteous, and those kinds of things. And now John's going to switch to the other half of that message, which is God is love. And what does it mean to say that God is love? And what does it mean to uh, that, that, that God is love in, uh, in, in our, our Christian walk? And so we'll be looking at love and uh, living uh, what it means to live out a different kind of love. And so that'll be next week. All right. But until then, we invite you to uh, um, uh, email us if you have more questions. You can find us at rosbcpastors.com or .org. at gmail.com. There we go. rosbcpastors at gmail.com. And uh, we invite your uh, questions or comments or whatever. So let us know what you think. All right, that's going to do it for today. Uh, Thanks for tuning into this one, and we will see you on the next one. So long.